Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Alternative Black Podcast. It's Tyler and Chris back at it again. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing all right. So today's episode, we will be talking about the modern day school system and essentially just the issues that we've seen and experienced growing up and now that we're out of school. Right. But before we get into that, beer. That's right. It's just, so today we have from Down Home Brewing Company in Atlanta, Georgia, Tea Palm Pomegranate Wheat Ale. Um, and could you go into this beer a little bit about why we're why we're drinking this particular one? All right. So like our first episode, we kind of discussed our struggles and in going into our local beer shop, which is an amazing beer shop. Shout out to Mary's. That's right. Uh, but we were struggling finding a black-owned brewery. So we started doing some research and we found that there is only 14, that we found at least, 14 breweries that are black owned worldwide, 10 of them being in the US. Right, right. Which is kind of cool. So I was doing a trip down to Atlanta to visit some family and I I knew that one of those 10 breweries in the US that are black owned is from Atlanta and that would be this beer, Down Home Brewing. Origin started as a home brewer around 2010 and has grown a little bit. I don't believe they actually have a location yet, but in the whole surrounding area you can find of Atlanta, you can find them in the beer stores. So that nice. was pretty easy to get to. Nice. Um, owned, owned and operated by the family. Chris Reeves is the founder and brewer, I believe. So I just thought, why not support them while I was down there? Get some. I shared it with my my family down there. Brought it back. Shared it with my mom. Shared it with coworkers, and now I'm sharing it with you. Aww. So, <laughs> yeah, right. So as we said, it's a pomegranate wheat ale. So I'm going into this thinking like shock top, blue moon, like, but with pomegranate. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Like, like right? that's how that works. Yeah. I, it, it, that's that's exactly what it looks like. But for me, it was like I'm almost getting first taste it's almost like a similar to champagne you know i did not put that to it yet that is an amazing descriptor <laughs> champagne fuck. move over miller yeah i'm about to say fuck miller high life <laughs> Mom, like, tea, tea palm pomegranate wheat ale. ale champagne and beer champagne of beers if you guys need some marketing we're available we are available <laughs> but no i I actually really like this, especially now that you uh, have described it in that way. It that's right on the nose. Like it is very champagne-y, pom- like with a hint of pomegranate. Right. It's not overwhelming. Like no. I wasn't sure if I was expecting like a juice, like a juicy type. That's of beer, what I was expecting. But it was like a wheat ale, so I didn't really think it was going to come out. Like I w- that. I was thinking either either juicy or like a sour because it's pomegranate. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. going to be a little tart, but. I like this, and I'm not a fan of champagne because I feel like it gets a little too sickening sweet for me sometimes. But in beer form, you know, when you have like when you have the grain in there and it's the pomegranate, it's not as sweet as like a grape is. It's a little more tart. It's a little more muted. And hey, New Year's Eve, give me a can of this or find, or, or a bottle. Yeah, and we'll, I'll I'll pop some. Uh, Tea palm. Pop some tea palm. That sounds awesome. Yeah, so really wanted to shout this brewery out. Um, kind of wanted to support that black-owned business kind of mentality. And, oh, man, I'm, I'm actually, like, really impressed with this beer now that you have described it as champagne. You are welcome. <laughs> you are welcome. But, once again, I think the big takeaway here is... One, we need to travel to to Atlanta to to find something that readily available. Um, and fourteen, we have fourteen breweries. Four of them are from Africa. Um, the other ten are actually from from the U.S. Mostly in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple in New York City. Uh, yeah, like Harlem Brewing. Yeah, Harlem yeah. Brewing is one, and I I can't remember the other the other one, but. You know, I think we we had mentioned it on our last episode about 40-ounce culture. Right. So, you know, did a little digging. We did a little digging on that. Um, 
came across this article while I was at the gym, actually, and uh, it's called The Unbearable Whiteness of Brewing. <laughs> and it... Do they spell it unbearable? I, I, you know, I wish they did. Missed opportunity. It's from 2013, so you're going to have to go back a little ways to uh, give the editor notes on that one. I got but it, though. You know what? Time travel. Reading reading this article was like, it it was it was really really well written. Um, it broke it basically broke down the barriers of the poor community and the black and Latino community in getting into something like craft beer. Okay. Um, this person is someone who loves craft beer mm-hmm. and wanted to understand. Why is it so white? Yeah. 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 Where's that disconnect coming from? Yeah. And and when she was going over, uh, when she was going over why she looked into this and started researching this, um, it sounded a lot like our first episode. Oh, wow. In in terms of like, you know, we love craft beer. Where, where's the diversity? So, you know, she, she went into a lot of the, the marketing decisions that that go that go into um, pushing malt liquor. So there were three big things. Um, the first one being that beer and malt liquor have been marketed as completely separate things, and it's it's remained that way. But are they? No. Okay. So where does that come from then? Like. Well, see, back in the back in the day, a while back, um, I, be- I believe I believe um, malt liquor and forty ounces really started getting pushed heavily in the '60s. I want to say. Okay. So before that, and and even after that, um, up until craft beer be- started becoming a thing, there was actually legislation in a lot of states that. Malt liquor was basically a beer that was over 5% had to be classified as malt liquor. Anything under that could be beer. And that's it. That's basically the distinction. So anything above 5%. Right. ABV. Is malt. Is malt liquor. Some of my favorite beers are like 8%. <laughs> but, that, but that's what I'm saying here. <laughs> The craft, craft, a lot of microbreweries and craft in the craft beer community lobbied against these laws because they're saying, "Hey, this is beer, you know, this isn't this its own thing," and a lot of that's been since done, done away with or not enforced. Okay, so then would it be because of craft beer being this more independent kind of lifestyle or career tour choice? It's not so much these big chains. Is that why maybe there's a disconnect? Between the legislation for beer and still calling forty ounces essentially malt liquor. Well, the forty the forty ounce thing is kind of its own interesting thing. I think you know malt liquor is usually very cheaply made, so you can market it cheaply at a high volume and profit off of it, especially when you're you know basically fueling alcoholism in poor areas wow yeah i didn't think about it like you that. know so they're, they're making a killing it? it's how cheap is it it's like what i remember getting into freshman year of college <clears throat> i was definitely legal uh you stayed back a couple years in, in elementary school yeah definitely that's right. that's what happened legality aside 40 ounces were like two bucks all i had to do was get <clears throat> all i had to do was go down and buy a beer for two bucks <laughs> And it was just, it was easy. I, I wasn't really making money in, in school. I was spending, I was putting myself in debt. School. School right. is an issue. But I was putting myself in debt. So cheap beer was very, like, appealing. So, I mean, I, I, I get it where it's, it's readily accessible. And for that, I can see how it fuels alcoholism to a population of people who can't aff- like are trying to do better but like are right. being oppressed or being held back and right. limited and now you're just kind of pushing this cheap readily available liquor into the area right. to make and it harder it goes into so much about the way that beer has been 
marketed versus how malt liquor has been marketed and the way that 40 ounces has essentially the 40 ounce malt liquor has essentially pulled you know an underprivileged community away from having the opportunity to go step into this other space wow and part a lot of it a lot of it it was really interesting because some of it was about you know when do you ever take your 40 ounce and you and you go home and you pour it into a glass at home and drink it at home like no one I thought that was only for the homies <laughs> right <laughs> so you know she you know she was saying that basically it it's made to drink in public or in a more public setting okay so there's it's become stigmatized whether this was that's just a byproduct, yeah, yeah, the brown bag. So you see someone drinking a forty out of a brown bag, you know, on the corner or something, and you and you think, oh, you know, he's just a poor alcoholic or oh, something that like that. Reminds me of uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Right. Wow, where they thought that one character was always drinking, but he had like Coke. It was like yeah. a soda, but yeah. it, it held an image, and I forget the reasoning behind it. It's been a while since I read the book. Read the book like three times. <laughs> And I can't remember this detail. That's a little upsetting. But that just reminded me of it. But, but there's that stigma towards that character because he was always seen drinking out of this brown bag. And it was a negative stigma. Right. And that's exactly what's done here. So malt liquor is now has now successfully become something completely separate from beer when really it's just cheap beer that's a little more alcoholic than your average macro brew. But now is actually not really that alcoholic when you're thinking of the fact of craft beer anymore. You know, double, triple, quads, Belgian styles. Like right. Just you're, all astronomical. You're talking about Sam Adams with like a, what is it, Utopia, which is borderline, well, I think it's illegal in a couple of states, and it's borderline just liquor. Yeah. So like, that that's the first piece. They're, they're, they're marketed completely as two separate things. And in that, she came to her second point, which which was an interesting observation, and it's that malt liquors do not carry the name of the parent brand that they're made under. So like wait. Do you know who do you know who actually makes Cult 45? I thought that was just Cult 45. I thought, was, <laughs> I thought that was their solo thing. I mean like, it's probably have... Anheuser Busch, because come on, they like they like make everything that's, that's every kind of shit beer you could think of. Anheuser Busch probably makes it, but someone's making Oldie, someone's making Colt Forty Five, someone's making a Hurricane. Not not the mixed drink like Forties, <laughs> like some someone's making. It's not just Hurricane. Nobody's out there just we're gonna we're gonna start a malt liquor business. I had no clue. I had just my whole life, well, not my whole life, when I started noticing beer. So I like five. No. <laughs> that that painted me in a horrible image. I redact that. Let's wipe that out. When I say that number, it's just going. Oh. <laughs> but when I started noticing, like when I was going up to Rockies uh, on Fifth and Spring in Reading yeah. to get a slice of pizza and meeting the neighborhood gang there to just talk about what's going on in school, what's going on in pop culture, like. The 40 ounces were right behind us, and that's all that they were carrying at the time because craft beer hadn't made its resurgence yet. So I saw the 40 ounces of Hurricane Colt 45 Old English, and I just thought those were their solo brands. It was just like... Right. I didn't even know that until this article... That's crazy. ...that that she made that assertion. I'm like, parent brands? What do you mean parent brands? Like, So so basically, these beers are like the bastards. So basically, yeah. So it's like Game of Thrones, where it's just like you have a... Let's say, well, it doesn't end up being this way, but earlier in Game of Thrones, you're looking at Ned Stark and his children, and then you have his bastard son. So all of them are named after him initially. So you have like Arya Stark, Sansa Stark, you know, you have Rob Stark, you have all these guys, and then you have Jon Snow, who's the bastard. So he doesn't have that parent brand. So if you're talking about like Ned being the overall image, the Ned Stark, we'll just call him Stark. Right. Then all his his version of an IPA or his wheat beer is going to be your Arya Stark, your Sansa Stark, 
And then he's going to put out a 40 ounce on the side, not tell anybody. And it's going to be the John Snow. That's is right. That, that That's is right. wild. John Snow 40s. John Snow malt liquor. Wow. <laughs> Winter is coming. It gets cold. It's Coors Light. Oh my gosh, Coors Light. <laughs> Winter is coming. They made the mountains blue. Oh my gosh. They, wow. Subliminals. Subliminals. <laughs> Subliminals. Subliminals for your dome piece. No, I bet but you Coors has one. I bet you Coors has. I one. bet you. And honestly, I bet you. If you look up Call Forty Five, where they just who who distributes Call Forty Five, who distributes Old E, who distributes Hurricane. I bet you it's one of those. Has to be the macros. Yeah, exactly. And so that is clearly it's been successfully done. But what she noted in the article is it's an odd marketing practice. Where else would you see a brand say, here's our product? Okay. Now we're going to put out, we're going to put all this money into producing and distributing this other product that doesn't have anything to do brand-wise with our higher, more expensive product. Because normally, they want to use brand recognition. They want to get you interested in a particular product, and then soon you'll be like, oh, I'm interested in this better version of you know the more expensive product in under that brand name. Right. So so they get they get the consumer buying more and more the and buying more expensive. Yeah. And in this case, it's just kind of kept kept away completely separate from the beer. Just like in part 1, the mm-hmm. malt liquor is completely separate from the beer even though it's technically the same thing. It's under that same umbrella. Right. So it it it's 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 pretty crazy that you know why do they do this is is there some kind of like malicious intent or is it just we're going to try to make as much money off this as we can and we don't care that we're driving these poor people into alcoholism you know that we're driving these poor people away from experiencing different things because this is all they can afford and this is what they want or we're going to make them think this right, is the thing. Right, because I mean, uh, it was definitely a mind game. Because you even think of then you go into like hip-hop culture and stuff like that. I know growing up, you know, you had them talking about Old Eve. You had them talking about like Cole 45. And then they'll switch over to like that Henny. But that's only after they were successful and able to like afford it. So really right. the only way to connect with what you're hearing is what's readily available and affordable to you, which would be the old English, the Colt 45. And so it's just like, you want to go out and have fun and have a good time. And your only option is this because of what you can afford. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of a forced mindset, like inadvertently. I don't even know if it's inadvertently. I, I have some suspicion on that <laughs> because it does feel like it's only marketed towards I was going to say urban communities, but that's wrong. Poor minority communities. There we go. And very interestingly, see, right on, right on, right on schedule, because (laughs) she mentioned, you know, I want to, especially with malt liquor, I want to say it is strictly an urban minority issue. Okay. But it's not Hmm. just an urban minority issue. It's caused more problems in that community because of the other prejudices and other, you know, the other barriers to accessibility that just piled on. But it's also a rampant issue in bumfuck. Bumfuck Georgia, you know, bumfuck Alabama in the middle of the country. Malt liquor, same thing. Cheap readily available and you get a lot of bang for your buck so that's what the people are going to go for and they keep pushing it into those areas and which leads me into that that third and final thing which is like the biggest issue is narrow distribution practices so 
basically, we are going to only distribute this to those communities. And how are we going to do that? Convenience stores, corner stores, grocery, or grocery stores. Bodegas. Right, bodegas um, and gas stations. Not in PA because... Just starting in PA. Starting in PA, but in other places you could you can do it. But like places that aren't really reputable vendors of alcohol. You wouldn't see uh, an affluent person walking into a gas station to buy liquor. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if we're going back, because that's what we can reference, breading, mm-hmm. besides Mari's, everywhere else that I would go to pick up something... Even, like, the beer marts that they have within the city, because I think there's one on, like, 9th Street. Yeah. That's all, like, you're, you're buying as the, the, the bulk of yeah. Bud Light, of your Miller. Right, you, the, the distribution stores, like, right. the case. You're not buying... Singles or... or right, you're not buying a mix-and-match six-pack, because yeah. what's the difference? Yeah, they don't even have that stuff. Right. right. So, that that's crazy. You know what that reminds me of, though? It's the same thing with, like health issues and why there seems to be such a bigger like obesity problem or like health like other health issues related to nutrition within these poorer communities it's because all that's available to them is shit the same places that you're buying the beer right (laughs) let's be honest here shit and it seems very systematic right and if you don't know if you if you aren't uh, if you don't know what arugula is or asparagus or you don't know any of that, you're just gonna go for what's cheap, you know. And what's gonna feed the and most what's people. gonna feed the most people? Then you might go for the the pack of meat that's on sale that kind of looks suspicious, but it's marked down and just cook it a little longer. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. It'll be fine. Trust me. But, it's really interesting how like it, it seems like forty ounce culture kind of goes hand in hand with the health issues that are prevalent within these poorer communities as well, and it and that's where I say it seems very systematic. It seems very well thought out. When I originally looked at hurricanes, cold forty five, all that kind of stuff, it was just like yeah, you know, every genre of products has like these cheaper, seemingly knockoff brandish options. But this is seeming like very direct, like, all right, we're doing this and it's going to be directly to keep a community in check. Right. And maybe, and maybe it's not to keep a community in check, although. Feels like it. Feel, this feels what it, like what it is. Maybe in this sense, it's we're going to, we, we see that that's what's going on and we're just going to use this dynamic to capitalize and make the money. Right. And is, and don't worry about all the issues that that stem off of this. The alcoholism. What what is there to lo- what is there to lose by removing the name malt liquor, and calling it what it is, beer, right? And then opening up the doors to more opportunities for your brand. Well, they're making all this profit off of keeping these people in a cycle. And you keep these people in a cycle. See, the system's already there. You know what I mean? Especially considering how many how many craft malt liquor you know breweries are out there. What are you talking have, about? Have PBR. Wow. <laughs> I forget you said that. <laughs> um, you know, you, you, are you going to Victory to pick up? You know, I their, want a their 40 latest ounce of Golden Monkey. That's scary. That's scary. But hold up, white monkey. In the in the in the big in the huge big corked bottles, but see see how that gets marketed. That gets marketed. It looks like wine. That's, it's that's marketed like wine. That's it's what, champagne. Uh, homebrew needs to start doing with this teapot. Yeah, homeboy needs to get on his homebrew and and get us get us a sponsorship. Teapot. Chris Reeves, you listening? We want the teapot with the pop. Pop pop. Skippy doo pop pop. <laughs> that was great (laughs) no but because of that because of this narrow distribution practices you're not getting any crossover and that means not only are you aren't you getting any crossover from low low privilege or low accessibility to to 
high accessibility, aka 40 ounce malt liquor to craft beer, but you're not getting that intermingling of people wanting to come down and stoop to drinking uh, a 40. Hmm. Well, hold up, because when I was in college, especially being in a fraternity, 40 ounce culture was there, so to say, because we were doing it Edward 40 hands. We were having like different events that we ended up getting 40s for. But there's like an appropriation there. Shit. <laughs> because, you know, they're they're appropriating the culture that they see in rap videos, you know, right. different things like that. And, you know, everyone everyone always wants to, to take all the funds, what they think is the fun stuff out of it and not think about the repercussions that or, or why the situation is what it is. So people are going to this kind of like cringy like appropriation of what they think is urban culture by by going for a 40. I guess I never really thought about it like that at the time because of I was like cool I can afford this. Right. So you were in you were in where where they want you in terms of this is who who's getting marketed to. I got got. Damn. I done got got. You did. Sorry to you say. Know, that's blowing my mind though. That is wild. And think about how blatant it is too because you have well you got Billy D, Juicy J. <laughs> Juicy J was on the damn label of the Cult 45. <laughs> Does he not look like the face of the company? And that's the issue. That is true. Because he doesn't look like the face of, I'm just going to assume, Anheuser-Busch. Wow, you know what? Right. Dear Redding. What company? All right. I always like to give a shout out to these guys, Dear Redding, because they're my boys, girls, peoples. They're my peoples. All right. There we go. Um, They were talking about music industry, networks, TV, movie, like all that kind of stuff. And... The, the people that are being successful, we're talking about like Miss America, Miss Universe, T, Miss Teen USA, that kind of stuff. And then talking about behind the scenes and, you know, all the networks doing well because they're having all these people. But who's CEO of these networks? Who's sitting in on these meetings and, and they're gaining because of this culture. But they don't have that culture sitting down and present. So that's very interesting because you're talking about yeah, when I think about Cole 45, I think about Billy D. But I don't think Billy D sitting at the... I would love to see who was sitting down at those uh, circle jerk sessions as uh, the Bill Burr oh, yeah. <laughs> would, would set. The eyes wide shut meetings. Yeah. <laughs> but, wow. Okay, so I think we definitely dove into this a lot further than I was initially anticipating. Or either of us yeah. were anticipating. It was, it was amazing. Uh is there a website that we can link out for uh, everyone to go read the full in-depth article? You know, maybe we could just post the link on the Instagram page. Right, yeah. It's, so uh, it's J. Nicole Beckham, but it's spelled it's spelled differently. It's N-I-K-O-L as Nicole um, dot com. J. Nicole Beckham dot com. Um, yeah, we'll the article's on there. So we'll just link the article that, that we found in. Yeah, if you're not following us on social media, uh, you can find us on Instagram at Alternative Blacks Pod. Yes, sir. That's right. All right. So this episode was supposed to mainly be about the uh, problems with the modern education. schooling system, education right. system. That's how we wanted to approach it. Uh, now half the episode is about 40-ounce culture. Which isn't bad because that was a very important conversation. Yes, and it's one that we've been stewing over since the first episode. So Right. Uh, what initially sparked this conversation on the school system was one of our, our peers from Reading High, who's a great under us, is running for school board. Right. The local Reading School District. Uh, Mark Detterline, he uh, graduated from Reading High a year after us and then he went to Lehigh. That's right. With you. Graduate a year after. so Right. So, with that being said, we were very inspired. Uh, I find it very admirable that he is doing this. I think he 
will bring a lot of new perspectives to this board. And I think that's something that's really important. I think there needs to be more youth on these boards. I understand the need for older generations and people that have more life experience to sit on these boards and to help with the administration. But I think we rely time, on it too much. It's a, yeah, at the same time, they're relying on their experience that is that may be dated and you can't just have seven eight people sitting in a room all over the age of 40 or 50 you know saying what what's what's best best, for what's best for the 18 and and unders going into a workforce that they really didn't have to think about for 20 years right you know so and and that's what really sparked this uh look into the modern schooling system and what was working for us when we were in school and what wasn't working for us when we were in school and now being out and in the real world and what didn't matter, what didn't matter, what we wish we had more experience in. So when we were doing this research, we came across, uh, I came across a video called Six Problems with the Modern Schooling System. It was from a YouTube video. I found an article that linked me out to this uh, the YouTube's next school, and as I said, the title is Six Problems with the Modern Schooling System. Which we'll link again. Right. And they listed them as the industrial age values as being one of the, the six reasons. Lack of autonomy. Inauthentic learning. It leaves no room for passion. It talks about how we learn, and it discusses lecturing so right off the back industrial age values like how old is right. that <laughs> and from from the industrial revolution my friend which I, I played an assassin's creed game on that so i should know the the year but 18 something it's old it's old af guys and that's all you need to know so we're gonna so if this is a video boof, industrial age values circa boof, old af old af because but it's not even just that they're old. It's what they are. And it makes so much sense when they talk about the industrial age values are do what you're told, don't act up, do exactly as you're told, and don't think outside of that. And don't talk to yeah, anybody, talk listen. To right. It, it, it's so outdated. It doesn't make sense because it's such a social world. Like the the means of communication and talking to everybody now is so readily available and i can talk to someone across the globe like if they're right here with us right and so that doesn't make sense anymore i don't know it never made sense to me why we're still teaching off of chalkboards essentially even if you just make them white and use a dry erase it's still a chalkboard mentality right where i'm just going to write up a bunch of stuff shut up kids just write down what i'm right yeah, and then spit it out on the test and see how good that does, you know, for retention. But the industrial age value, the, the big thing that I took from that was that it's teaching towards you becoming a good person in the workforce, right? That's not... That's but what's not the, the workforce? workforce? What's the workforce in the industrial revolution? Go to work in a factory. Right, but that's not like, again, going back to uh, running because that's where we're from. Reading prospered off of off of the industrial age. It was such a big like in the nineteen nineteen eighties, I believe it was, there were a hundred and eleven thousand people in the city of Reading. That was the population. Oh, that's crazy. We're at eighty eight. We are at eighty eight thousand. Right now. Right now. Which is which is mind blowing. Right. So I mean, and we're talking about eighty eight thousand with a huge employment issue. Right. So it's like... What's the value of teaching to a old... Outdated standard? It, just it, it doesn't make any, make sense. any sense. So that that's what really stood out to me was the fact that, oh, we're teaching so you can go work on an, you know, an assembly line and and just shut up and do what you're told. Right. Which is fine because I which mean, is Jeff fine. Does a great job. Like, what do you say? Which is fine in the for, sense of like what you're bringing in. For some people, it's fine. As for some people, that's going to work for them. If that's you know, if 
if that's what they like to but do, it's essentially like something along those lines. Then that's then that. But it, to think that that is the overarching best way to teach every single child, it's just it's just it, it's kind of mind numbing. Yeah, it just, it mind doesn't make sense. I mean, that's the same. I think that leads into inauthentic learning. Right. For me, that like directly Definitely. leads into that point. Definitely. Because you're you're teaching to a test. Correct. You're having kids stress out because you're forcing such a big interest in this. And it all becomes about, here's what you need to know. We're going to cram it down your throat, cram it down your throat, cram it down your throat. Here's the test. We're never going to revisit this. Right. You'll never see this again until the final exam where you have to recall one question for it. And then right. after that, you never see it again. You never see it again. Unless it's something that you specialize in. Right. But you're talking about one thing out of how many subjects or how many like topics and the that one you thing may you, keep. And the one thing you specialize in, you're not actually immersing yourself in that. Right. That's what you're interested in. And yeah. when you go back and you look at the test scores and you look at the... Uh, how well a student's doing that one area that they're really interested in they're shining in but they're do they're not doing as well in other areas they might still do well because that's how we've been trained since kindergarten yeah but that doesn't mean they're actually retaining the information right. that they recall they regurgitate on an exam which is interesting because it, you look at technology and the readily like readily accessible information that's out there and you listen to a lot of people talk about how that ends up being a uh, disservice to learning right. and I find that like complete bullshit I, I, I honestly think that that argument is complete bullshit and that it, it's it's creating a disservice for us because what it's doing is actually allowing people who are interested in things to continue down the rabbit hole and to get that information and that's the stuff that they're retaining right and then they may become the next great you know mathematician and then that's all they focused right. on don't worry about but in the school system there's such a big put I, I feel like there's all these barriers around that existing technology that would help you learn right wikipedia is told to be not a value valuable source i mean basically just check your sources right. when you read something don't just read it and take it as gospel right because you go back then to research papers and they're not going to allow you to get one book source. You have to double check everything with other books. It's the same thing. Check out their websites. They cite the Wikipedia the sites better than books do. I yeah. think. Cause it's right. I can literally click this and it'll take me while still keeping me on the page. On it's that. so much easier. <laughs> it's so much easier. And it's like, no, 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 this is, this isn't, this isn't good. Like anyone can go in and edit that. And at one point that was very true. But it's changed. It's evolved. You have YouTube. You have experts on YouTube breaking things down for you. In my opinion, YouTube hasn't commoditized on this yet because they should be having a YouTube university where you pay to take certain courses based off of that. See, that's interesting because they kind of, some some channels at least have done that in a sense, like Khan Academy. Don't you do like Patreon then? Or yeah, you could do like a Patreon just so they have the funding to keep going. Um, you know, I'm sure they're that, monetized. That stuff, you get more behind yeah. the scenes stuff. Yeah, but but that's but that's someone's hustle, right? That's not like a that's not well, a system. You can do setup. that, but you're not going to get legit. Like you're not going to get an accreditation through that. Right, you're not accredited then. You have the knowledge, but, but exactly. no one is assuming the you have is there. the knowledge. Exactly. So the difference between some people that have just never went to college, went on the YouTube under a passion, found something that they were lo they loved, continue down the rabbit hole, become an expert, but don't have the the paper to match, and then someone who is only half as good as them who has a paper because they followed the like the system and they they did the rat race right gets the job and it's just because they are like oh this is a good field i guess i'm not really passionate about this but it's going to get me where i want to be in life right that's the way that you have to think yeah and it's it's completely broken um and i think the lack of autonomy was interesting too because it, 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 it goes back to the industrial age values in the sense that 
you can't be yourself. You can't express yourself. You have to be this drone that's getting droned at. Right. You know, for five, six hours a day. And you can't express yourself at all, basically. You just have to sit there and shut up and be another worker bee. That's which true. goes back to like the factory setting where you sit there, shut up, and do your job. And that was the, that became an issue then later in the workforce because you didn't know how to think outside the box. I have to admit, some of the toughest assignments I remember in school were when they then tried to they, they teach you this whole system and then they turn around and force you to come up with a project. And right. I remember students being like, well, under what guidelines? No guidelines. You come up with the project. About what? Pick. It's just like, yeah. you're not telling me anything. <laughs> all I know is this. This is yeah. all I know. How, how are you forcing me to do this? What am I supposed to do? I'm going to crack. <laughs> um, that's what it felt like. Yeah, I, I, they didn't I get teach you. They didn't allow you. Like how many people actually did science fair projects and were actually like trying to actually go hard on those? Because when you think about it, I sure as hell wasn't. I did. Because when you think when you think about it, they're basically like, all you gotta do is use a scientific method, which I mean is is very necessary because it's just like it's just a logical step. Right. It's a logical process. And that's and that's all it is. But yeah, I'll circle back to that. I have, an, yeah. I have a comment. In term in in terms of what you're doing. It's just you do do what you do what you want, and then for a lot of people, it's like, but, but I don't know what I want. Right. I don't know what's interesting to me. So, you, end, you end up half-assing it. Yeah, I don't yeah, have I mean, time. I'm doing all this other crap that I don't care about. Right. Well, it's interesting. It was, it's going back to that scientific method and it being very necessary. And you're absolutely right. A lot of times when I go into like the modern school system doesn't work. I'm not talking about we shouldn't go over math. We shouldn't go over social studies, how to read, you know, the different sciences and all that kind of stuff. And just general principles. That's that's essentially like liberal studies. I kind of get it because at in one way, shape or form, that all type tends to blend into each other. In some way, you need something from the other area in order to progress. It's that teaching to the test. It's the way these things are taught. It doesn't. It's inauthentic. It's exactly yeah. what they are saying. It's the right. inauthentic. It's the learning. system. It's the delivery system. It's the right. delivery method. It's the because they talk about how we learn, and somebody does better reading. They read it. They get it. Other person has to hear it. They hear it. They get it. Somebody needs to actually go about and do it. Somebody just needs to work with a friend who is able to put it in words that they comprehend. Not even comprehend, yeah. that they yeah, just can just, relate to. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense. And instead of breaking it, breaking the students up into groups based off of how they learn, they base it off of numbers. These are the most successful kids. These are advanced placement kids. These are our standard kids. They're just doing what they need to do. So... They're not really smart. We're going to put them on a different course. These are the kids in between. They have the ability. Maybe they haven't pushed themselves yet. Or, you know, we, we think they have the potential and we're trying to push them. They're in this this course. Rather than being like, okay, let's, let's break this down. Let, let's make this a little bit easier so that we're not teaching to a whole bunch of kids with different learning styles. These All these kids have the same learning style. And then working in that way in an ideal world, then you base it in, then you could break it into that type of group where it's like, okay, these are the kids that don't need as much attention. We can let them be. These kids are like right in the middle. We're going to work with them just to keep them along the straight path. And we're going to really focus on these kids. Because there's a lot of kids at Reading High that I believe would have been successful still and would have done almost even better if they were just allowed to their own devices to learn Yes. Take the test. They're responsible enough to do that and continue their growth. As long as they were succeeding and as long as they were getting the grades that they needed, then we're allowed to have a little more freedom to, to dive into what they wanted. I believe that would have been more successful for those kids. Because, like, 
one of her friends is now working with, I think, like, some government agency. <laughs> Google Bucks. Did, I don't think he graduated from college. Like, no, and it was a struggle so. to get into college because he just did not care. He could have he could have been valedictorian. I am convinced. Oh yeah, he could have easily if he tried because his what was the SAT point? score was like almost it was like perfect. What, ten points away from perfect, yeah, hundred yeah. points away. Like it was just insane without trying. Yeah, I think no, it took it once. Yeah, no studying, just just went in and did it. Right, and so you're telling me that like the system that's in place for I think over a hundred years is correct? Yeah. Clearly not. No, it, 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 it's just, it's so hard to understand that. And what makes it more difficult for me when looking at school boards then is the fact that you're constantly putting on these older individuals. I don't know if it's because nobody like a Mark Deadline is going out and trying. I think that's part of the reason. I think the other thing is either the voter isn't doesn't care enough, mm-hmm. so they're not informing themselves enough to make a different decision so they just go with the incumbent what blows my mind is people seem to care so much more about a presidential election than local government and or local school yeah local government and school is where it starts it's like when i look at the i, I hear more about presidential senate congress all that hear more about it at the end of the day i'm just like okay cool they're all gonna fight amongst each other anyways at the end of the day, the people that are making the decisions and the changes that are most going to affect me are my local government. Right. And that's what's going to piss me off more. Yep. So I hear people talking about like, oh, did you see what Trump did? Or, you know, this wouldn't have been a problem if it wasn't for Obama. I'm just like, all right, but did you just see what Mayor Wally Scott just tried to do? Yeah. How was he elected? And how are there people still willing to go to the polls for him and vote for him. How is somebody working on his campaign? How does that not right. outrage you more? Right, because that affects you right away. Right away that affects you. It blows my mind. Things can go things can get done in local government so much quicker than they can in the federal government. Mm-hmm. And can have a lasting impact on your right. life, on your child's life. And that's the thing. And that is actually easier to become part of the change. Because if you are that fed up and you don't see anybody that has better options or has better ideas, you could literally run. You can go get the votes, campaign, and again, yeah. social media age, you don't need that much money right, to, to put push, yourself out to there. To push this out there. It's just all about effort. And knowledge. I don't think this is part of what's not taught in school. This is the other like hanging balance because there's a diff- there's an issue with how we're teaching and then content that we're bringing in. Because again, you're talking about life skills. Life skills. Nope. None of that. No life skills. You don't know. You don't. You don't know how to deal with your finances. You don't know how to budget. Don't know how your government's set up. Don't know how like, your government. You're talking to an area that a lot. Okay, there's the brain drain technically of a lot of kids that succeed academically and just kind of leave right have the, the means to or people that have enough motivation and are real changers they, they make moves they're move makers <laughs> they leave right. they're, they're chasing better opportunities but you're not teaching the value of how you can change what's around you and it's not to say that they should stay or that they should go but they're not Educated enough to, well, not that they're not educated enough. They're not educated about the way the system that you're in works. Like, how the city's broken up technically. Like, I knew there was the Northwest area, that there was the, I knew right. it was broken up by middle, the, schools, by the middle schools. But I didn't know, like, oh, I crossed this district line when I was just in, like, my own area. Yeah. And, you but, know, but this whole. For those yeah. then that stay, there's no education on how that. How and, your system yeah. works. How it impacts you and how you can impact it. There's nothing. That's how you end up with people that want to run and who would be good for the city, but didn't run in their right area, in their right district. And people yeah. laughed about it and were just like, but it's, it's but like, sad. no, you know how, yeah. do you realize why that was so easy for that mistake to happen? Yeah. Absolutely. Have you ever gone on the city of Reading's government page? Yes. Oh. It's <laughs> so bad. And I think it's done for a reason. I really do think that they have 
put that website or kept that website the way it is to make it hard, make it difficult because it's not intuitive. It's hard to get to the correct stuff or even figure out where that stuff is. I think they do it on purpose to keep the general population misinformed. You're talking about this city council that has four of six members on it. I rave about this a lot. That were around in like 2005 who had a great plan moving forward to do some real positive change in the city. 2008, understand. You hit a, the whole nation hit struggle. Right. But it's 2019. And that plan is just like... Pfft. Almost 15 years right, later. But where the, is you it? know what the issue is? It's the same people. They're still there. Yeah, they're still there. There's nothing to There's no push limits. them out. There's nobody right. coming in to say there should be limits. Right. There's no one changing the game. And you're telling me that the same person that was on there over 10 years ago... Has a pulse on the city. Get out of here. It should be changed. Yeah. There needs to be change. That's the whole... That was that was the intention of term limits in the first place. And if there's but term there's limits at the federal level... Yeah, why, why shouldn't there be here? Like, it doesn't make sense. And that's... I think that's the issue, is you have people that have bought into a system and have found a way to keep themselves in there. And so, well, if this system worked for them, why would they change that? Right. You Hegemony. Word of the day. Good beer. <laughs> it is a good beer, but it's also a good term. Yes. You basically, you're going to keep the system the way it is, and the powers that be have that control to tailor everything in that system towards keeping the balance of power where it is and that's what term limits are in theory supposed to stop but then you have backroom deals and you know money changing hands and that kind of thing but when it's so blatant that this person could stay in for 25 30 years they don't need they don't even need to do that and when there's not enough good information out there for people to be outraged at all the ridiculous shit that Wally Scott is doing. Then he's not being held accountable to anybody or by anybody. So that all that to say, Mark Deadline running is a good thing. It is such a good thing. I I endorse him in in the sense that I believe that he has all the right intentions and can be a change, at least a voice of change and a voice of reason on that board and a youthful voice. I think that's going to be amazing. I'm worried that it may be disheartening once he makes it because I like there's almost no way he doesn't. So once he makes it, I, I'm I'm hoping his motivation doesn't get. Tarn- like just yeah, like stymied by by what happens because I know my my father was on the board at a time where it was bad and getting to hear a lot of the what was going on the, the backroom stuff the clicks that stuff doesn't go away that stuff's always there it's the always lo- going to the be lobster there dinners right oh well, that was a whole different story <laughs> but that stuff's there like being at uh, a local television. Uh, station working there for almost a year and working a lot with the government in the sense of recording their meetings and everything and seeing what was going on before the camera started rolling, as the camera was rolling, after the camera was rolling, knowing them through my dad and being able to talk to people and really getting a better understanding of what happens. It is scary and it people can lose momentum so quickly and motivation, especially when there is a group of people out to get you. So I think the most important thing that could come out of Mark is for him to make it on the board, right? not lose that motivation and that fire, but then turn around to his peers and hold them accountable and say, hey, look, I did it. You can too. Let's talk. What do you want to go for? Let's let's see if we can get you there. I'll, I'll be here as support. I will find I will help with my resources now to make sure that you have a successful campaign. Like I honestly believe the way that city council should be set up and most boards and councils should be set up is not for you to stay on for this long. I think the term limits are a good idea, but I also believe there should be a mentorship program. I believe that's that's a grooming program. Maybe it's not with the high school because I am a firm believer as many people 
who have talked to me or have listened to this podcast or the average podcast will understand that I'm a very big advocate on going out and seeing the world. If you want to end up back where you started, that's fine, but I think you need more experience or at least to see a bigger picture. So I think maybe it's the local schools. Like there are five colleges and universities in Berks County. Right. Grab from there. Grab from the politician, like from the poli-sci majors. Grab them. Have a have a, a program set in place by that university where it's like, hey, you're going to name, okay, there's six council members. You're going to name every, every school gets one. One representative come in. Like the best of the best. We're going to groom that person. Or we're just going to group somebody that you think would benefit from it the most. And what we're going to, what that means is we're going to bring them in. We're going to mentor them. Like, hey, this is the, the process. This is how it's going to go through. These are what happened, we think. Or even going out into your community. If you're a District 1 representative, go into your district and find that person who should be up next. Hey, you're the next upcoming leader of this community. Come under my wing. I'm going to endorse you in the next election. And we're going to see what happens. Wait, 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 Tyler. You're advocating for community engagement. <laughs> I'm advocating for logic. <laughs> Good rapper. Half black, half white, by the way. Alternative blacks. Alternative black. But yeah, and alter- alternative engagement. Community <laughs> engagement. And actually having a pulse on what you people you represent need and want. That doesn't sound like government, Tyler. <laughs> At least not in practice. At least not from what we have witnessed <laughs> no. growing up. I I have so much faith in the city of Reading and those that live in there and are active in the community. I believe everyone that is active, everyone that's on a board, everyone that's in office wants what's best. I just think, again, just like the school systems, we're treating it the same way. We're looking at it the same way that it's been like for hundreds of years. And it's time for a fresh perspective. It is time. It's time for change. And that, that's where I'm coming from. Because as much as it may seem I am speaking negatively about the school system, I'm speaking negatively about the uh, city, about the administration, about the government. I'm a huge advocate for the school system. I'm a huge advocate for government. I love running high so much. and I love my city so much. My mom's a teacher. My dad was very involved in the community. I have so much love and respect for those people out there. But I also want what's best for the future. And if I'm not going to support something that I think is broken, broken or that's going to be negatively impacting the city and the community that I love. And so with that being said, I'm going to talk negatively about what I think is bad. As you should. But if somebody dares say anything negative about it and doesn't offer a solution, I will attack. Because if, you, if all you do is speak down on something, but don't give the structure or these or an option for how to build back up, what good is it? End rant. But seriously, get out yeah. there, vote. I know, like, there's a lot of general election stuff coming up. Uh, then, I mean, primary. Then you have yeah, all the stuff uh, happening. Educate yourself, and you know, support the person that you think is going to support you. No, that's the point. Support the person you think is going to support you. Sounds so basic, but it yeah needs to be said. I think that right there would would start setting things in the right direction. Just education, education, access to the right information. Right. And I think we did kind of like steer away from education, went into government, but then you see it just came right back into educating yourself. It, you never stop learning. And over the past couple of years, the most useful information I got has been off of YouTube. And not to be like, yeah. Oh, all the information I get is off of YouTube. I'm not learning anything. I am learning so much. YouTube, Wikipedia. Podcast. And podcast. Oh Especially my God, like uh, Alternative Podcast? Alternative Black Spot? I think that's a really good podcast. That's a, that's a pretty good one. That sounds great. Uh, they talk about like they talk about like beer or something. Like but you that. want to talk about people being like really engaged in their communities and being a positive voice and looking for change. And like you're talking about people like Mark Dennerline who are running. But then right. you're also talking about 
Dear Reddit podcast. Yes. We're talking about the wonder of Ivy. Absolutely. There's a couple more that are popping up that I'm really excited about. I just forgot their names, but I know Dear Reading has mentioned them. So if you go follow them and you check out their social media, they have links out to them. Shout out to them because they linked us out. They, they uh, give a shout out to Alternative Blacks Pod. So thank you guys. Uh, I know you're listening because yes, thank you. you love us and we love you. Oh. <laughs> But thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of yes, it's been Alternative a wild ride. It really has, and I know we can go off on tangents. It's because we're passionate. That's right, you know, but I think, I think, you know, we, we're excited for where this is going to go. I think, you know, we, we really, we really enjoy and care about what we talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're trying our best to kind of bring everything that we're interested in and bring it back around to, you know, what what's the dynamic here and you know how how does it affect us and you know the city of reading or cities like reading right. or you know people like those who live in the city of reading so um thank yeah, you again yeah thank you if you enjoyed the nipsey bonus episode yes we are going to start doing extra episodes bonus episodes we're going to start diving into some of our favorite artists and their lyrics and their music as well so we're going to have bonus music episodes that are strictly focused on artists and mainly in the hip hop and rap community. Uh, and if you haven't listened to the Nipsey episode, make sure you do so. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is the Alternative Blacks Pod. Until next time, have a good one. Peace.